hammers, heroes and inappropriate contact in the workplace. Welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel. And this episode we are tackling the mighty Thor. This is a podcast for fans of the Marvel movies, the MCU movies and, and fans of the comic books. Where what we do is we compare and contrast these movies that have dominated the uh, the cinema movie going world, and compare and contrast them to the original comic books that inspired them, going way back to the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, going all the way through the comics, and kind of letting you in on all of the Marvel trivia that inspired your favorite favorite movies. Hello and welcome. My name is Rob Holden, and I'm joined as ever by Mr. Will Preston. Hello. Well, it's an exciting journey so far. Uh, we've had some really, really cool uh, feedback from people, um, some really cool uh, stories about Marvel comics and how they've been, well, not just the comics, how they've enjoyed the Marvel characters and their favourite movies and their favourite memories of first experiencing um, the Marvel characters and the Marvel universe. I think we're going to do something fun. Not this episode, the next episode. I want to put this shout out there. What we want to do is get your stories in of how you first encountered Marvel characters um, and we want to delve into that and go through that because I think these movies opened up like millions more people to the Marvel Universe and I kind of want to know what the first way what the first way in with other people. Lots of people it was the cartoons or the TV movies or, or the, the Incredible Hulk series or a video game. And I think that's a really interesting thing to explore. We're going to do that in the next episode, which is Captain America, the first Avenger. So uh, if you've got those stories, then please get in touch and let us know. You can contact us um, through the email marvelversusmarvel at gmail.com. Get those stories in and we'll have them together for, uh, or we'll start getting them together for the next episode. That might be a nice way of kicking off every episode, I think, as we as we go along. It's been a fun journey so far, Will. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, if anything, it's just getting me back onto the MCU in order again. Some of these films I haven't seen in bloody years. Absolutely, yeah. And it's a great time to do it, uh, being, being like stuck inside so, so much, <laughs> and the Disney app being such a great and easy way of getting hold of things. Um, if this is your first listen to uh, Marvel vs. Marvel, then what happens is I am a comic book fan of over 30 years. I always hesitate because I don't like how old I am. Uh, and Will, you're a, a fan of the Marvel movies, but you've never read a Marvel a Marvel comic. That is correct, yes. Uh, but I was reading uh, the Walking Dead series recently on comic, which I will also recommend. But yeah, completely different from yeah. Marvel. <laughs> a, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Um, although there are some fun Marvel zombies out there. Yeah. Uh, there's one called I Zombie, which is worth checking out. Oh, nice. Um, there's a whole bunch of Marvel Supernatural stuff, which is uh, really funky and, and fun. I'm trying to think who the most famous Marvel zombie is. Well, Frankenstein kicks around a little bit. Uh, anyway, well, that's not what we're here to do, but we might have a sidebar. <laughs> Maybe we'll do Supernatural Comics as a sidebar. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be exploring the MCU movies in order. And we'll be taking a trip through the uh, Marvel comic books that inspired them. We've so far done Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man 2. Really excited to kick this one off. Um, so, Will, what I'm always fascinated with is, like, 
Incredible Hulk, you must have been aware of. Yeah. Because he had the TV show and like the cartoon stuff. And Iron Man had a cartoon series as well. But I'm always interested in how you, a muggle, a <laughs> civilian, a rank-and-file member of the public, <laughs> Joe, Joe Average, I'm always really interested to know how you... First, or what what your level of knowledge and and uh, or like existence of these characters is. So the mighty Thor, like, what did you have before this movie? Did you have any idea of the Marvel character? Well, funny you say that. That I did at the time know about they they had a character called Thor, and I thought that was just oh he he's based on the uh like the god rather than he's actually supposed to be the god or whatever. But one thing that really uh, it's, it's another thing that ties in. Basically, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Cartoon Network back in the day when they had um, Dexter's Laboratory, and then yeah. they had Dial M for Monkey, and then they had a that, which was basically he worked for Shield essentially. It was a takeoff of Shield. They had Nick Nick uh, Fury and, and whatnot, but they had the Super Friends or the Super Justice Friends, and it was a takeoff of Captain America, the Hulk, and Thor. And it was like that, that's that's how I got the that's how I got the connection. That's the only connection I had back then of like, oh, that's definitely supposed to be Thor. Then, oh, they're taking off Marvel Thor. I didn't realize Marvel Thor was supposed to be the actual Thor. I know a bit of an extraneous link, but that's just come to mind. You know what? That's really interesting. It will play a part in what we're going to talk about because yes. the origin story is wild, man. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Also, while you're there, if you're referencing Dial M for Monkey, uh, check out a little DC comic called Dial H for Hero, because like, that's where they got the name from. Mm. Um, but it doesn't really... Anyway, that, that's worth having a look at, because that's that's insane. Look, there's a whole other series on the most insane comic books uh, ever made and sold, but we're not here to do that. So when, when, when the Thor movie was kind of coming out, that was your you were aware there was a superhero called Thor, and was that was that kind of it? That was, I, I think I heard murmurings. I wasn't, I wasn't really that interested in Marvel comics, but as soon as Thor came out, I, was, I sort of did a little bit of looky-looing and uh, Googling, and I just went, oh, he's basically uh, Superman with a hammer. <laughs> Mate, you're hitting all the nails on all of their heads because we've got that, we've got that to get into. Um, so before we, we kick off, and um, before Will starts to take us through the um the, the 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 Thor movie. I'm still annoyed it isn't called the Mighty Thor, but I'll get over it. Um just a little a couple of little lines on Thor in general, is he's if you've been with us so far on this journey, and I know we, we've seen the figures, we know a lot of you have been, and thank you for, for, for joining us. Uh Thor is a character that breaks all of these Marvel rules that we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um he's both the most and least traditional Marvel hero. Uh, he, he breaks that science fiction pattern that we explored mm. with Iron Man uh, and with Hulk and that Marvel had been doing with the Fantastic Four and, and X-Men. Spider-Man, it's, there's no kind of sci-fi basis for this whatsoever. It just is immediately throwing... It's like hitting six home runs in a row and then going, let's change bats. Yeah. <laughs> let's... Let's change the game completely. Let's try. Let's try something else, which is really weird. Um, Stanley talks about how he came up and how he came up with Thor, and as ever with Stan, you never know when he's being asked these questions 20, 30, 40 years down the line. 
I don't know if he remembers anymore. <laughs> uh, when these interviews were done, I don't know if he actually remembers when the book was being written. But it's always it's a I love what I love about Stan is that it's just a very simple, basic answer. He's never really got a highfalutin idea. He went the thing. He was dead strong, uh, and that led me to go. I'll invent something stronger, which was the Hulk. Mm. And then he went, ah, he was dead strong and popular. I need something stronger than the Hulk. Well, what's stronger than the Hulk? He went, what about a god? <laughs> and that's pretty much what... That's how Stan says he, he, he came up to it. Um, Thor was introduced in a comic book, as we said before, that rarely are they introduced in a comic called, like, Spider-Man or whatever. Um, he was introduced in a, in a series called Journey, Journey into Mystery. Um, Jack Kirby was the artist... Um, and he kind of came up with a plot along with Stan. But Stan didn't write the, the script. He handed the script over to his brother, Larry. And said, Larry, I'm dead busy. Can you write a script for us? And and that's kind of um, what, what came up with. Thor has a convoluted and contradictory story. Uh, suffice to say, comic book Thor, vastly different from movie MCU Thor. That's going to be really fun to, to delve into. So without further ado, Will... Take us through the movie journey. Okay, so it all starts in 965 AD. The ancient frost giants are seeking to conquer the Nine Realms, starting with Earth. To stop them, King Odin of Asgard wages war against the frost giants and their king, Laufrey. The Asgardian warriors defeat the frost giants in Norway and seize the source of their power, something mystical, cold, the Casket of Ancient Winters. Bum, bum, bum. So there's a lot here for you to talk about here, isn't there? <laughs> Mate, this whole movie is packed with a lot to, to get through. Um, what do you want to know, Will? What do you want to know? Well, let's start off uh, Let's start off small. Let's start off with Odin. <laughs> well, no, yeah, let's just start off with the guy that built the whole everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's quite similar in the comics, I think, to how he is in the movies. Mm. Um, <clears throat> although the problem with these characters that were around in the 60s is that they start off like almost kind of quite simple and then become quite complex. Yeah. We see that with all, all of these characters, really. Um, he's Odin's like a, like a classic king first, father second. Yeah. Um, hates Thor's obsession with Earth. <laughs> uh, spends a lot of his time desperately trying to keep Thor away from Earth and stop bothering with those mortals. Come drink ale, hunt giants, and this sal- make merry in Asgard. This sounds like a very manly version of the Little Mermaid. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty much Little Mermaid for dudes. That's all it is. It's literally all it is. Eric is uh, there's a, there's like a female Eric called Jane. Yeah, uh, the yeah. whole the whole all of Thor is Little Mermaid. Um, that's a really great observation. I never <laughs> thought that before. I'm yeah, writing it's that on just Facebook later. Little yeah. Mermaid with pecs instead of <laughs> instead of shell bra. Cool. Yeah, I love it. Sixties <laughs> um, Odin is an utter buffoon, but. That's like kind of everyone else in the comic in the 60s because Loki is able to like completely fool him with the most basic magic tricks. Hmm. Um, But everyone in Asgard in the 60s is exactly like that. Um, Loki is like... um, He's like what would happen if... If um, like a little kid learnt basic magic tricks to impress his family... 
but the whole family was legitimately baffled. How is he doing that? His <laughs> thumb is coming away from the rest of his hand. Like, that's what it feels like. Because um, yeah. Loki does not have anything sophisticated to begin with, and everyone is still utterly like, I don't know how this manipulation happened. Um, yeah, so... But it, 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 it's just... they're All all the Asgardians are like that in, in, in the 60s comic. As time goes on and, and things became a bit more sophisticated in the storytelling, we see Odin is rather a desperate kind of figure. Um, he he lives under the cloud of a prophecy that all the gods are going to die and his sons are going to die and Asgard's going to come to an end. The the Ragnarok kind of prophecy, mm. and he, he 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 we see that he'll do almost anything to to avert that, and he becomes like a a master manipulator. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of stories that, that kind of carry on moving gods and mortals around this like cosmic chess piece as he tries to tries to get his own way um, and I think you, you do get a sense as things go on and storytelling becomes more sophisticated and we see Loki doing the same you get the sense that really Loki didn't get his evil kind of manipulation aside from the frost giant parents he learnt that from being you know Odin's kid for thousands of years ah. he's watching odin do all this and he's like oh that's how you get your own way you use magic and illusions and you warp reality <laughs> cool i'll start doing that then <laughs> yeah yeah so that that's that's odin he, he ping-pongs around uh being the king of asgard being dethroned then he's back on the throne and then he's dead and then he's back alive and then he's the king and then he's dethroned that kind of you know, it's sixty odd years of <laughs> of that. Sixty odd years of that, or as we call it in the real world, a single Game of Thrones book. <laughs> yeah, mate, it's rife in this. There, there, there's a lot of that because they're all kind of very Shakespearean, I guess. It is. It is. Uh, speaking of that, uh, which uh, the director of this of the film, uh, Kenneth Branagh. That is an odd choice, Sir Kenny B. Sir <laughs> Kenny B. You made him sound like a Blackpool promoter for like a- yeah. In many ways, I think that he is. Come on down to Kenny B's uh, comedy laugh club. <laughs> no trainers, but uh, <laughs> what what made them uh, pick uh, Kenneth Branagh to direct a Marvel film? I I mean, do they want someone with a more Shakespearean edge because of? It, it's got to be that. Yeah, yeah it has to be. I, I, I noticed it. it. Yeah, it really, it really, and it really feels, it really felt like a smart hire. All their choices are kind of left field at the start with Marvel, yeah. the films. They're left field, but they all feel like they're absolutely spot on. We see it with uh, Captain America, mm-hmm. the first Avenger. You know, who are we going to get to make this period piece set in the 40s? What about the guy that made The Rocketeer, the greatest 1940s <laughs> set movie of all time? Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, so there's, there's kind of a lot of that. and mm. uh, But he was, he's got to be the biggest like the biggest kind of hire at the time like John Favreau had done um movies and he'd done a couple of special effect movies but not on that scale when when the yeah. Iron Man came out and you know the Hulk director uh, whose name escapes me now like I think he'd done basic action movies but not like mm. tentpole franchise pieces so yeah, Kenny B along for the ride. I mean, but the only special effects I saw in a previous John Favreau movie was the special effects of being able to go out with uh, what's his name and pick up women and swingers. That's a great movie. Uh, That's a great not, movie because I, I 
I, I worked in a cinema at the time that his sequel to Jumanji that everyone forgot about came out. Oh, God. Uh, Zara, Zarathusa, Zarathusu, something like that. Zarathustra. It was like, it, yeah, it's like a space Jumanji. You've mentioned um, this before. Good, have I? You Is that right? Have. It's a good It's a good little watch. Um, I can't watch it because I worked in a cinema at the time, so I've seen the start and the end of the movie nine million times. <laughs> and it just made, I just, I just, I got a smell of dry old popcorn and I want to vomit. <laughs> No, that's that's a reasonable thing. We'll go away from that. We'll go back to Thor. Uh, so, as well as Kenny B, uh, I need to ask about Asgard. What is Asgard? Is it a planet? Is it a dimension? <laughs> what is it? Because it looked flat in the film, and it like a big flat, pop, like like the flat earthers <laughs> in the cinema are going. <laughs> knew it, mate. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, reality is made up of nine realms that sit yeah. upon. Uh, Yggdrasil, the world tree, which ah. is this tree, and and then from the roots through the trunk and the branches, that's where all the nine realms sit. There's hell is knocking around, uh, uh, Niflheim, uh, Musfelheim, uh, Midgard, which is Earth, and then Asgard. I don't know if it's, I can't remember if it's at the top or whatever, but that's the home of the Azir, the, the Norse gods. And that kind of, they all operate like a series of different planets, really, but they're not planets that you can drive to in a spaceship. That makes sense. Like, the Guardians of the Galaxy aren't going to go there. They can't. It's not like it's not like a location, a geographical, mm. you know, if you get the right star map, you can go there. They're, they're kind of hidden realms, but they're also separate to, like, although this is, I guess this is never, I've never really seen this said, but based on 30-plus years of absorbed inherent knowledge... I'm also saying Doctor Strange can't kind of go like they're not one of the dimensions that we see him flitting yeah. around with when we when we get to that movie. Um, the Fantastic Four invent scientific ways to cross into other dimensions, like the negative zone, but they're like scientific, they're like physical dimensions. This is a bit more ethereal, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We get- in the sixties, it was it was not only was it very flat, Asgard always looked like it was just. A giant flat city floating in space. <laughs> You'd have a shot of it from the Bifrost. Yeah. And you wouldn't, it wouldn't kind of, it would definitely, it would be finite. It looked very finite and like a flat earth, basically. Then as time goes on, it becomes a lot more sprawling and huge and, you know, Tolkien and, and yeah, Game of Thrones y. Yeah. Um, but they've got, Asgard's also the name of the, of the city. Like Mexico City is the capital city of Mexico. Yeah. There we go. Asgard City is the capital city of Asgard. And they've got like a king and the royal family and homes where the immortals live. Valhalla's there, uh, which is everything I want in an afterlife. Valhalla is like you just drink and feast and have a laugh. It's it's a, it's a lock-in that never ends. <laughs> uh, yes. It's awesome. But most importantly, Asgard is rife with politics. Mm. Rife. It, it's it is cosmic Shakespeare. It's everything people liked about Game of Thrones. There's always power struggles and assassinations and deception and war. It's yeah, that's it's been destroyed several times over the years. Uh, it has uh, at one stage the city of Asgard was floating over the desert in Oklahoma. <laughs> um, and then it was destroyed and it was relocated to. Um, Inside Doctor Doom's home country of Lat- Latveria, 
Latveria. That was a bad idea. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's where Doctor Doom lives. That's two countries rolled into one right there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's how they wrote. They went, what's a European... What? A, they need two European countries no one cares about. Cool. That's the name of my <laughs> country. That's my fictional country now. And most recently, the Asgardians have all been living in the Bronx. <laughs> what? Yeah. No, Asgard. Asgard, yeah. <clears throat> Asgard's more... Uh, 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 where your heart is, baby. It's more where your friends are. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That, Asgard moves sweet. around a lot. That is very sweet. Also, what accent did they have? Because they just gone with basic <laughs> Shakespeare for this, haven't they? They go like, "Yes, we must all talk like this and dramatic." And it's like, yeah, that- it's that kind of, it's that Fraser accent, isn't it? It's Atlantic. It's how Ameri- Americans, yeah, it's how Americans think everyone in Europe speaks. That's that's what the accent is, basically. Yeah, Europeans know it's not English, yeah. but Americans hear it and think it's English. Yeah. I mean, the uh, I mean that's fascinating about that. I mean, the whole backstory is like a, a mini Tolkien book. I mean, it does feel like Lord of the Rings, and the look of it is like Lord of the Rings in the film as well. Yeah, well, the film certainly, obviously, I think took uh, heavily from the the Peter Jackson movies, yeah, and probably Game of Thrones as well, which had already been. Knocking around, or had it? Mm. Well, the book's no, been around for not, ages. Actually. The book's been knocking around for yeah, ages. Yeah, but not. But not. They, they wouldn't take. They wouldn't take it from the TV show. So yeah, no, okay, maybe not. But yeah, it, it's really hard because so much of it is based on these myths and these poems and these stories that fables that were around for a long time and there's already been picture books and all sorts of things based on these these kind of original yeah fables mm. and myths that knock around. So it's kind of hard. It does feel a lot. The, the, the notes that do they do with it, like truces and alliances and things, mm. does feel very Tolkien esque. But also, they're kind of there in the source material somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes sense. Okay, that's that covered. We'll get back to the film. So, in the present, Odin's son Thor prepares to take the throne and become king of Asgard. But this is interrupted when frost giants attack and try to steal the casket. Now the frost giants, uh, look the casket of uh, the casket winters. Sorry, yeah, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was about to say the, the frost because ca- the yeah the casket sounds like oh, why why are you stealing a casket? <laughs> Who's in there? Oh. Trying, just leave. Let the poor man rest. <laughs> or is it the ark of the covenant? But I I was I was just thinking that the frost giants didn't look big. I was expecting big, and they looked six foot, which is fairly tall but not big. Yeah. Do you don't get any? Are there any giants? Are there any frost giants in the movie? Even I, when they go there in a bit, I think I think they I think when they went there to have a fight, some of them were a bit big. But when they were sneaking yeah, around but, to steal that casket, I was like, "Oh, come on, man! You're not a giant. Stop telling the ladies you're a giant." <laughs> <laughs> it is because there are well because Loki. I don't think Loki is well. Loki's a half. Uh, Loki's. Oh, should we get to... Um, is that a spoiler alert? Yeah, we'll get to Loki in a bit. I mean, yeah, it, we, we, can, we can handle that in just a bit. So, I don't... I don't. I think in the comics, the Frost Giants are, are proper giants. I don't think there are many... I don't think there are little ones. No. Maybe maybe, maybe I was uh, looking at perspective weirdly then. Anyway, let's tell us about the Frost Giants and the Casket of Winters, which is my favourite prog rock group. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the Casket of Ancient Winters. Oh, sorry, the Casket um, of Ancient Winters. Yes. Yeah. Which is a better prog rock name. Um, 
Death Frost Giants are not really they're not really strong characters in Marvel. They're kind of like um the the Powerpuff putty dudes, you know? Yeah. Oh they're God. just there. They're just collateral damage. They're there. they're a big thing for Thor to smash while the rest of the plot takes place and the real antagonists kind of get their plans up and running. The the only Frost Giant who's kind of even even um King whatever his name is, Laufey? Laufrey. Laufrey. The the problem with me, uh, listeners, is that I have this condition where if a word looks weird on the page, I don't even bother to pretend to try and pronounce it. <laughs> so I will have read characters' names for thirty years and just gone, that guy <laughs> King starts with an L, not bothering with the rest of it, and I move on. And that happens a lot in Thor when you've got things like Niflholm <laughs> and Yidrasil. Um yeah. I just go, yeah, the the tree, that thing, move on. Um Yeah. The only frost giant um who's ever who's been a real villain is uh Ymir, who is sort of the father of the frost giants. Um He's massive. He's not always a big fan of the rest of the Frost Giants, but that's his cas- the casket of win- of ancient winters is his. Mm. Um, he's always trying to unleash winter onto the rest of the nine realms, and he he he's like the source of that of that casket. That's got a lot of his powers in it, and he's on he's unleashed on on Earth several times, and the Avengers have had to like stop him and stuff. But but he's he's the only Frost Giant that is really a recurring villain. Okay. okay. Of, of any of any worth, yeah. So not much to explore there. And the casket of ancient winters. That that's it's just it's yeah it's the source. It, he puts a lot of his power in it. You open it up, makes everything really cold. So it's a MacGuffin. <laughs> it's all. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not much to explore. That's fine. So against Odin's orders, Thor travels to Jotunheim. Jotunheim. Jot- sure. <laughs> Jotunheim. Sure. Land of the Frost Giants. Land That's the what Frost. I call it. So he travels to, <laughs> Thor travels to Land of the Frost Giants to confront Laufrey. He takes with him his brother Loki and his childhood friends Sif and the Warriors Free, Volstag, Fendril, and Hogan. So, Loki and the... Not, Vo- sorry? Not Hulk Hogan, not sadly. Hulk. <laughs> I'll tell uh, you one thing, brother. <laughs> that would be great if he just... Which would have made for a great... What casting. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that at the beginning if he just went Hulkamania on the Frost Giants. So, tell us about Loki, then, and the uh, Sif and the Warriors 3. I mean, there's a bit well, to pack here. Yeah, I think we save Sif for the next movie a little bit more. Yeah, we'll say, we'll say Sif, then. She doesn't do a huge amount, and um, she's Thor's childhood-like sweetheart. And friend, the, mm. the the Warriors three are Thor's best mates in the comics. They serve mate. They've been there since the mid sixties. They became proper recurring kind of prominent characters in the in the late sixties. They serve mainly as comic relief, especially mm. Volstag, the uh, Volumnius, uh, as he's known, Volstag the Volumnius, uh, <laughs> fat dude. Uh, that's what that means. Yeah, I got that. I got that from it. F- fancy for big dude. Um, isn't he? They, a, they. I was just about to say, isn't the guy playing him the same one who played the Punisher in the second film? Yeah, but that's not a Marvel film. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, that's fine. 
So you can play a character in a Marvel property as long as it hasn't been a Marvel Studios MCU film. There we go. That makes sense. Then it's recasting, and that's what crazy. We're not doing Doctor Who, guys. You can't just you can't just take a character who's played another character and then make them the Doctor. I mean, that'd be insane. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ray, whatever his name is, Ray something. I can't yeah. think of his name now. Uh, I, he's in Rome as well. He's, he's in the really marvelous. BBC Two and HBO series Rome. Yeah. Um, Ray Stevenson, that's his name. Ray Stevenson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's great. It's you know they 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 kind of help paint a rich tapestry of life in Asgard. Um, they make it more than just they make it more than just a set dressing. When you start to get characters that kind of are characters that are fun and funny and emote and things, you go, oh, there's a whole land here that I kind of want to know about and read about and. They give a window into Thor's younger days and they help to show that even how even gods are drawn in the comics, even gods are drawn to Thor and want to follow him. Mm. Um and they kind of give that that kind of spanning. But they're not overly like they're like a lot of these characters, like Heimdall and some of the others, they're there for sixty years, they're not that important. Right. They do little bits here and there, but you know, Frost Giants have been there for 60 years. They're not really worth <laughs> much. Um, then Loki's the different kettle of fish, baby. Um, and what? So what I've tried to do, listeners, is there's so much on some of these characters. There's so much of Thor to talk about. There's so much of Loki and Odin and, and, and some of these other ones to talk about. If we do it all now, it'll be a six, seven-hour podcast. And we've got two other Thor movies... And we've got the Avengers movies that they're in. So I'm trying to dice the info up and, and release it when it's most appropriate. I'm looking out for you. Trust this me. Is, this is I what know what I'm doing. We need to elongate <laughs> our content. This is what we're doing. We're being very smart. <laughs> well, there is that. But it also no one no one wants to listen to a six hour podcast. And it you know, you don't need if you don't need everything now, like when we get to Dark World, there's some elements that we want to talk about. Like with Thor and Loki teaming up, and we'll explore them when we get there. No point talking about it now in this one. Um, uh, yeah, Loki's pretty pathetic in the comics originally. Um, <laughs> he really is like that kid with a few magic tricks. But everyone in Asgard is kind of pathetic to begin with. It's a pretty pathetic kind of start. Uh, mm. It's very 60s silly. Um, he's called the god of mischief originally. Yeah. Like, that's not terribly. You Mis- mischief isn't like mischief. You get detention for you don't go to jail. Well, my, as my mate put it, because uh, a mate of mine said, "Oh, Loki's the, uh, the the Viking, the Norse god of mischief." And he went, "Yeah, but this was Viking mischief. Viking mischief was burning down people's houses and killing them. <laughs> it's a different level of mischief." That's funny, but not. I mean, not to begin with. <laughs> it's um like. He, I mean, he doesn't fight. So, so the in the Norse mythology, Loki isn't like Odin's son, mm. and he's not Thor's brother. Um, that's a thing that they decided to add. Stan and Jack decided to add in the comics, and I think it's a, quite a a good little character point. Definitely, um, he makes him jealous of him, and again, it's Shakespearean, isn't it? Oh, this idea of the the usurped of the throne and the, the jealousy, and and the older brother, the younger brother. He doesn't really fight Thor. Um, 
he doesn't, you know, not himself anyway, he uses tricks. That's his big deal, the mm. trickster god. So he routinely is able to to convince, even though everyone in Asgard knows he's a right knob, he's somehow <laughs> able to routinely convince Odin to punish Thor and make Thor's life really hard. Like, he's always whispering in his ear, Oh, Father, why don't you take away his powers? <laughs> and things like that. Like, why don't you turn him to stone? He's always doing uh, stuff like that. He, he um, He's always turned himself into a, into a, uh, like a serpent... <laughs> To scare people. Yeah. And he disguises himself as like other Asgardians so he can spread rumours about Thor. It really is quite pathetic. Um, along the way, he kind of uh, creates other supervillains to do the, the heavy lifting for him. So he creates the Absorbing Man, who's a big Thor villain. Um, and he is responsible for like kind of um, turbocharging... Mr. Hyde and Cobra and some of these other villains to so that they can actually go toe to toe with Thor. But oh, his his he he is directly responsible for forming the Avengers. Is he? That's Loki. Yeah, and we'll get to that when we get to it. We'll get um, to we'll get to that definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be. But he, he's, he kind of, it's all quite light hearted because it's the sixties, and then as time goes on uh, and things become a bit more sophisticated, he really does become. Uh, real arch villain. They start to refer to him as the god of evil instead of mischief. He forms alliances with powerful villains. He conspires against Asgard. Steals a throne a few times. Oh yeah, as you do. He he formed uh, long-term secret alliances with Doctor Doom and Norman Osborn, Green Goblin. Um, as they, they they were part of this shadowy kind of Illuminati group called the Cabal. And his schemes with them led to the utter destruction of Asgard. A storyline called Siege. And Asgard gets completely destroyed. Um, And he becomes a grand manipulator, just like Odin. you know. And his schemes are get hold of the throne, stay alive, get power. Which is kind of just what Odin does. So, yeah, I, I I always view Loki as... Uh, all the negative aspects of Odin come back to haunt him, and Thor is all the positive aspects of Odin, uh, and they kind of split right down the middle, even though they're not, you know, genetically linked. Yeah, I suppose. First, so we're going to say, yeah, sorry, we're gonna, we're going to save a lot of. Mm. There's a lot more Loki, but we'll save it for the Avengers, and we'll cover it in in Dark World as well. Fantastic. In Asgard, first you get the throne, then you get the power, then you get the women. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, there's a that needs to be put on a t-shirt at some point. I will want money from that. So <laughs> let's back to the story. A massive battle takes place. Thor and his friends are overpowered until Odin intervenes to save them. But this attack destroys the fragile truce between Asgard and the Frost Giants. For Thor's arrogance, Odin strips his son of his godly power and exiles him to Earth as a mere mortal. Odin also alters Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, so it can only so it can not only be used by someone who is worthy of it. I've worded that right, haven't I? 
So yeah, well, no, no, no. <laughs> so no. they can only be 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 wounded by someone who, who's who's worthy. Who's worthy yeah. of it? Yeah, it's a bit of a strict punishment for four, isn't it? You know, it, it, it's like oh, he he's done something bad. It's it's a massive PR disaster, and he just basically punishes him by sending him to the middle of the countryside with no food or whatnot or clothes. It's like surely you know they should have stripped him of his powers, but still keep him around like the castle. You know, like 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 what they're doing with Prince Andrew, maybe something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you just—he's, you know, he's there. He's in the background. No one's allowed to talk to him. He's definitely not allowed to talk to anyone else. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's not one. allowed he's back on that he, island. <laughs> listen, don't worry, guys. He's not coming anywhere near the throne. But what can we do? His family. <laughs> he's just, sh- just shush it up. No, man. Odin. Odin does not hush things up. No cover up in in Odin. He's just like, nope. Gonna deal with this now. Will, we're like half an hour into the episode. Yeah, we got. And we have not talked about Thor. Yeah, uh, and that's because we're saving it for right now. Yes, because the exile to Earth is kind of important. So here we go. Strap in. The first thing I want you to do. Yes, uh, I do. I I love this so much because I know where this is going, and I'm looking at your face. <laughs> <laughs> so forget about Asgard. Forget about Odin and Loki. Forget about all of that. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to think about a disabled American doctor called Donald, <laughs> who's on who's on holiday in Norway. <laughs> and while he's on holiday in Norway, stop laughing. No. While he's on holiday in Norway, he stumbles across an alien invasion by a race of stone men in flying saucers. Right. Yes. For some reason, these aliens think that humanity's seat of power. Is Norway <laughs> right? Where do we where do we go to invade? I think that one of the Swedish, one of the one of these, the, one of these countries, you know, Sweden, Norway, one of them. Um, so Donald hides in a cave, uh, and he can't get out because there's a boulder in the way, and he he he's lost his cane and he finds a stick. Hey, are you with me so far? Yeah. The disabled doctor hiding in a cave from aliens <laughs> made of stone uh, and he's got a dodgy leg and, he, and he's lost his cane. So he, he uses a stick to hobble around and, and he gets so frustrated at not being able to get out of the cave, he hits the stick against the cave and gets struck by lightning. <laughs> and the wooden cane <laughs> transforms into a mighty hammer and Dr. Donald has become a massive blonde Viking dude with a cape. So that's the other origin story. Yeah, and the (laughs) hammer, the inscription on the hammer says, whomsoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. Ah. So so Donald Blake in the 60s, Thor's origin, he's a a normal everyday dude, mild-mannered, disabled, and he's able to transform himself into a super-powered form with a magic hammer. So it's really similar to uh, DC character uh, Shazam, Captain Marvel. Yep, yep. You know, a little child who, when he says a magic word, he transforms from being a little kid into a super-powered body with the powers of several different gods. So that's what they do here. And to begin with, the Thor comic is the most traditional superhero comic Marvel does. Right, yeah. Because what have we had before? We've had these twisted morality tales, sci-fi kind of origins, 
um, and, and, and monsters and metal suits. Thor is almost a direct ripoff of Silver Age Superman. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a weak, mild-mannered, average Joe who becomes a superhero, and the girl he loves, the nurse who works for him. Uh, she only loves the strong guy and not him. Oh. And she's always saying things like, Donald, I wish you could be more like Thor. This is directly what is happening in 50s and kind of some 60s Superman. Yeah. With with Clark and, and, and Lois. And every story is anchored around uh, Donald Blake hiding his secret identity. Can he change into Thor or will he get found out? Uh, Mjolnir even has this big limitation on it. If Thor's not holding the hammer, he'll turn back into Donald Blake within 60 seconds. So when he throws the hammer, yeah. it's got to come back to him within 60 seconds or he, he transforms back. And a lot of stories are kind of based around this little storytelling device, you know, where Loki gets him to drop the hammer and then hides it from him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Things like that. It goes on constantly. Um, is is Loki someone? Is like Loki a sales executive channeling the power of Loki using a magical? No, <laughs> that's why. Right. So to begin with, Donald Donald has to sit down, right, and think about what he remembers from school about Thor. Mm. He literally goes. So he's not Thor. He just has his powers. Yeah. And then Loki turns up. And says, um, you're my long lost brother. And then Thor meets Odin and starts acting like Odin's son. And it gets quite confusing. As if Stan and Jack don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds it. Jeez. So it, 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 in the 60s, is it like, is Donald Blake becoming, is he turning into the actual Thor? Hmm. Is he switching places like with him? Um, sometimes he has Thor's memories, like when he's walking around Asgard, and sometimes he doesn't. And there's almost no cohesion to it whatsoever. Basically, Stan and Jack do not know. They have no idea. Okay? It sounds shoddy. It sounds shoddy. Mm. But while this is happening, this is the main story in Journey into Mystery. It's a traditional Superman kind of rip-off. There's a backup story, shorter thing, in every issue, called Tales of Asgard. Mm. And in that, what they do is they adapt classic Norse mythology about Thor in his younger days. And they basically kind of tell those classic fables about Thor and Asgard and Loki. And that stuff was a hit. They, they, all the fan mail was about that. And that stuff gelled and it flowed. And it let Jack Kirby be Jack Kirby and play with these sweeping grand ideas. And after a while, they realised, right, the traditional superhero stuff, <laughs> this is dull. This is just this is just a rip-off of Superman. The cosmic Shakespearean drama and politics of Asgard, that's where it's at. So they start ignoring Donald Blake and Earth completely. <laughs> and they just focus on these amazing stories of, of Valhalla and Mystic Warriors and the Royal Throne. Does Donald Blake ever make a return... Later, do they? We're getting, we're getting there. We're sorry, getting there. sorry, I'm just impatient. I really wanted to see the doctor to turn up. So, so that there's, 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 in fact, an issue where after like Thor spent pretty much a whole year in Asgard and in, 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 in mystical realms, he goes back to his civilian identity of Donald Blake. <laughs> like he goes into his his GP practice and 
Well, the staff have had to leave and get other jobs. He's got no more patience. And he's about to get kicked out because he's not paid any rent to his landlord in a year. Um, which I think is a really interesting way of like, that's exactly what would happen to me. If I had superpowers, I would not come back to my regular life every day. Nope. No, 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 <laughs> uh, no, no. And all my pets would die. <laughs> Um, so in, in 68, Stan and, and, and Jack finally clear up this confusion mm. about Donald Blake and, and and Thor. And they do it in a way where it looks like it was intended from the start, which it was not. So <laughs> it's, 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 kind of, it's kind of a retcon, but it, 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 it almost isn't. Uh, Odin reveals in a story that Donald Blake never existed. What? Uh, his entire life was a, a grand manipulation. Ooh. To teach his son humility, Odin transformed him into a mortal, gave him memories of a mortal life, and then sent him about on this kind of excursion. So he went to he went to medical school and he had to learn how to be a mortal. And then he kind of mystically manipulated him into going to Norway and finding the stick in the cave. And <laughs> the whole thing was a a way of like teaching him a lesson about how to use Thor's powers and memories with care and with mercy and how to be around mortals and not be such a massive, massive cosmic bellend, which <laughs> is what Thor's default setting was But before all this. So it's, it's quite a Christian allegory. Um, the powerful god sends his son, his only son, down to earth and walk among them as a mortal man. It's also, ironically, another Superman allegory. You think of the sun being sent from the powerful of the world yeah, yeah. to walk amongst, to learn to have humility with his powers and all of that. So so that's the very weird story uh, and origin of Thor. I, I like um, the retconning there. That is, that is outstanding. I mean, did they explain yeah. how you get the disability or did they just go, oh, to give more humility, just have a bit of a limp for a while? Yeah, no, yeah, that was part <laughs> of it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And again, 68. Sophist- I mean, I'm not saying you couldn't write sophisticated stories in 1968, but there wasn't a huge amount. I mean, there was, but it's not like it was de rigueur in, in, in comics in the 60s. It is a masterstroke mm. of storytelling. It's really great and it neatly ties up this kind of what they thought they were going to do they went, oh, he's got a cape and he's basically Superman. And then he went, but hang on. Also, all this stuff about the throne of Asgard's pretty cool. Um, and of course, what movie makers need to do when you're tackling a character that's been around for 60 years is you need to kind of try and find a definitive version of Thor. Yeah. Right? Donald Blake hasn't been around since 1968. He's probably not that important. <laughs> I, I reckon like he, an Easter egg or something, or maybe someone called Donald Blake who pops up in the film would have been a really, oh, he really do, nice. He, do, he does. He does. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When when they when they give one of his names somewhere, it's Don Blake. Yes, of course. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, that's that's really good. Okay, as long as they've had that, I'm happy. Even though I'm I'm, I'm not that invested in the comics, I like I like the nods. <laughs> I like the respectful. Yeah, nods. a little fan service here and there. Yeah, there we go. We like to service the fans. So back to the story. So he's literally kicked out of heaven. Thor lands in New Mexico, where he's found by astrophysicist Jane Foster, her mentor Eric Selvig, her sister Darcy, who have all been tracking weird wormholes like the one that transported Thor to Earth. So 
One, one thing I spotted at the beginning, and I realised this is probably the most overused line in any science fiction film, is... Hit me with I, it. <laughs> I think you want to see this. The most overused <laughs> Wait, line... You're not, you're, not, you're not... Okay, you're not delivering it right. Here's how it goes. Okay. Will, I think you're going to want to see this. <laughs> yeah. But it's always yeah. delivered like that. Slow, sober, <laughs> and that's where the titles usually kick in. That's where something kicks off or it changes to another scene. Always use that. Like all I can think of is that line is, is probably Independence Day. It might not have ever been said in that film, but if there's ever oh, it must have been. It must, it have, must been, have been. Must have been said in that film. You're going to want to see this, and it's like, oh my god, and they're playing. It's the end of the world as we know it in the background because they don't know subtlety. So there's a team of characters here. Um, we might. Uh, 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 like is Darcy from the comics? Because she seems like they they wanted to give uh, what what's her face? Uh, I can't remember the the actress's name. So the actor's name. Kat Denning. Sorry, the that's ver- that's just I I that's just how I pronounce her name. I can't help myself. Kat, what because she's so yeah. goddamn lovely. Oh, we don't need to go. We don't need to go into it. It's perfectly fine. No, that's fine. Let's just carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want this to be obtrusive to any any listeners. So I, I don't I can't turn this into a three hour discussion about how I'm in love with Cat Dennings. We, we haven't got we just can't do it. We've got too much to get on with. Cat Dennings. Right. So um are these these three characters, are they from the comics? Mm, yes and no. Um so Selvig and Darcy aren't Marvel characters until this movie. Okay. Uh, and and since then, I gather they've both been written into comics. A bit like uh, Agent Coulson got written into being a big part of Shield, where he wasn't uh, didn't exist until uh, Iron Man. Yep. Um, Selvig certainly has been written in. I don't know about Darcy. I would imagine so. Um, but no, they didn't, they didn't exist in Marvel prior to this this Thor movie. Um, in the comics, Jane Foster. Is Donald Blake's nurse ah, that's that we what talked I about earlier? She's Lois Lane to his to his Clark Kent. Yeah. So she she falls for Thor the first time she sees him. She's like, oh, oh, oh check out this dude with his bare arms and his long flowing golden hair <laughs> and his cape. Uh, and <laughs> so she is constantly telling her disabled employer. That she wishes he could be more like Thor. It is brutal. That's <laughs> it is like, oh Donald, you're such a weakling. Wish you could be more like Thor. Like, first of all, love, we'd all like to be more like Thor. But second of all, that's harassment in the workplace. You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> and he's got a disability. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's so- not like it's not like telling a you know someone like me. You should. Oh, wish you could walk, mate. I wish you could fly. It's yeah, awful. Then I'd be horny for you <laughs> <laughs> if you could bloody walk. That's that again. Okay, that's, that's a decent character change. So, so she doesn't she, come off as much. She's as not a even really like. She's mm. not even modelled on the good Lois Lane, like the Golden Age version of Lois Lane, who was this amazing, honestly, the, the original writing of Lois Lane, she's a truly, truly badass journalist in the 30s, which must take more guts than anything. She's modelled, Jane's modelled after the, the simpering Silver Age Lois Lane, and in the Silver Age, Lois Lane only cares about marrying Superman. <laughs> and that is unfortunately all there is to Jane Foster to begin with. She... um uh, Thor reveals his identity to her 
but Odin Odin uh, forbids their marriage, so Thor begs and begs and begs Odin to make Jane an immortal so he can marry her. And they set up a test of godhood. They give her these powers. And then she set off on this test and to see if she's worthy and she, she fails the test. Ooh. And the test is basically Odin has her attacked by a big monster. She craps herself and he says, not worthy of being a god then, are you? Get out. <laughs> that sounds like a practical joke, not a test. Yeah, thought uh, o- o- Odin's Odin's mean. <laughs> He's a mean person, He's a and he didn't want this man. to happen in the first place. Like it's a real self-fulfilling kind of uh, prophecy, and that that's that's kind of it for Jane Foster um, for a while. So Odin wipes her memory of Thor and Asgard and everything. Wow! And then sets her up back on Earth with a nice bloke who looks exactly like Donald Blake. <laughs> Um, so there are, in in Doctor Who, there are two companions who get half of this exit. So when Billy Piper, when Rose leaves do- leaves the Doctor, she gets set up with a clone of the Doctor. Oh. That's a happy ending. And when Donna Noble leaves the Doctor, she gets all her minds wiped of the adventures completely. Um, this is kind of very odd. Yeah. So, and right after doing that. Odin is like, don't be too sad, son. Um, let me reintroduce you to this hot bird called Sif, who you used to go to school with. Uh, it's all very convenient. Um, Sounds like an arranged marriage. It, yeah, like, yeah, it very much is. He had it, has it behind the curtain the whole time, and he's like, oh, hey, there she is. Remember her? She's older now and fit. And also a god. You won't kill her when you bang. Um, it's like Jane's like trying sh- 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 not to cry in front of him, and he's like shh at the curtain. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> They'll know you're there. Get your feet out. But that's not the end of the story for Jane. Yeah, she goes on to become very, very important in the Thor mythology. But I think that's best saved for Dark World when we get to see more of her. Yes, too right. Okay, so. Uh, also, another thing, with his powers stripped, he is pretty strong. He is still pretty strong for a mortal, isn't he? I don't understand that. I, yeah. I don't remember him being made a mortal. Um, and so when it comes up in the film again, I'm like, what? They don't, But they don't know, because he can still do all the... So I think it's just, they need to have worded it a bit better, because he's not a mortal. I mean... He's stripped of his powers. He's obviously just de- depowered, I guess, but he's still... He's been demotivated pa- pa- to a class six. <laughs> I don't know. He's still pretty powered. He, he, he took on... Okay, he did fight some doctors. They were. It's not exactly like he was fighting a bunch of... That's boxes. true. Yeah. They, they, they were doctors. You know, the, the doctors and surgeons and whatnot, uh, which was quite Did funny. you hear that, doctors? Did you hear that? Will Preston thinks you're all wusses. Will Preston <laughs> thinks he can kick... A whole bunch of doctors' asses. He's oh, they were only doctors. Now, any doctors listening to this, next time you see Will Preston in public, you got to slap him across the face because that guy thinks you ain't got nothing. What? That is. This is probably the worst time ever to slag off the NHS. <laughs> I didn't do it. You did. You suddenly came in here with your. Oh, those doctors aren't trained fighters. I think you'll find they know exactly how to hurt you. <laughs> 
I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth anymore. Uh, one <laughs> thing I did like uh, during his uh, time as as a mortal or a class six or whatever we're going to call him, his a depowered Thor is when they take him to the coffee shop. And we've rep- I've repeated this so many times with my friends. He drinks the coffee and goes, mm, "This drink, I like it." Another. It's just. But do do you break the thing you're drinking every time you do it? No, we don't. I, I don't actually smash the glass <laughs> on the floor. We we mind Phew. smashing because it's just. <laughs> I've done some stupid things while drunk trying to emulate films, but I've never uh, smashed a glass on the floor because that's just disrespectful. Because <laughs> I've worked in hospitality before. <laughs> and I would never, ever do anything that, uh, yeah, along those lines that makes uh, makes extra work for anybody. But yeah, I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, seeing him depowered. It was quite funny for a bit. But anyway, meanwhile, all the locals in New Mexico, in this small town in New Mexico, have found Thor's magic hammer in a massive crater and it becomes a local attraction. The hammer that no one can pick up or move. And soon enough, S.H.I.E.L.D. arrives with our old friend Agent Coulson, and they set about trying to work out what the hammer is. So, it's basically, it's like the sword and the stone, but with a barbecue. <laughs> it's the, it's the yeah, because they're all doing those tailgate parties that, that, that you get in America, like yeah. at the Super Bowl, and there's a big whole tailgate party, they're cooking up barbecues, they're drinking beers... It's like those roadside attractions you get in in America. You know, world's biggest ball of yarn. <laughs> Come and see the world's smallest hat museum. You know that in it, its. Uh, I think that's. I think that's really cool because I think that's exactly what would happen to a. Oh, because it's 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 a phenomenon, but it's innocuous. Yeah. So it wouldn't. You know, I think the first thing that would happen is lots of people would get drunk and play with it. <laughs> Which, by the way, I do put on my Tinder profile, just FYI. <laughs> Weird, but innocuous. Why don't you get drunk and play with it? And also on your Tinder profile, the only one who's worthy to touch my hammer. <laughs> Everyone's worthy, Will. Everyone. <laughs> Speaking of which, Rob, who in the Marvel comics is worthy of the hammer? This one gets a little odd, because there's loads... Like, when it. When they first, when they did it a couple of times, fans went mad and loved it. Yeah. So they started to do it a lot, but in like non-official tie-in crossover, non-canon stuff. So there's like a story of uh, Justice League versus Avengers, wow. which is fun, but uh, it doesn't. It's not really. It didn't exist. You know what I mean? Like it's non-canon. It's non-canon, yeah, right? That's, that's the and word. Superman picks it up in that, yeah. but. That doesn't count. So in the Marvel Universe, the most celebrated ones are um, Captain America, mm-hmm. which we see later on down the line that's emulated. And it is so much more cool in the movie than it is in the comic. First of all, in the comic, he's not Captain America. Ooh. He is the captain at the time. We'll get to that next episode. Next episode, we'll save uh, it for that. Or maybe, you know what, you know what, it won't be next episode, it'll be, mm, down the line, it'll probably be Civil War, I think Ooh, we'll probably get okay, to it. Um, okay. So he's, he's called, the, and all he basically does is, in a big fight, him and Thor against some bad guys, Thor loses his hammer, Cap picks it up and throws it to him and goes, catch, <laughs> you'll need this. It is so much better <laughs> in the movies where it's a real triumphant moment and he actually uses it. Yeah. The other most celebrated one is an alien called Beta Ray Bill, who I I hope we get time to cover 
in Ragnarok because he's got a, a tiny cameo in Ragnarok. Um, he's he's a really cool part of the Thor journey and story, but um, he they're not neither of those are the first. The first since the enchantment because so so Odin wields it, but that's pre enchantment. Odin is not worthy. <laughs> Odin is not worthy. But Od- it was Odin's hammer before he gave it to Thor. And before Odin, it was Bor, who was Thor's granddad's hammer. Bor is not worthy either. Um, so, since the enchantment, uh, the first person to lift it other than Thor was this big red-haired dude who was part of a documentary film crew. His <laughs> name is Red Red Norval, right? He's a, he's a normal human who was so horny for Sif that he went on a quest to become just as powerful as Thor so he can bang her. Wow. And Loki goes, oh, this is great. Uh, I've got a great plan for this. Tell you what, mate, there's some mystical items over here that somehow contain the spirit and power of Thor. <laughs> so Loki, Loki leads them leads them on this like weird little quest thing and he, and he gets these iron gloves and this belt of strength that, that are powered by the essence of, of, of Thor, right? Mm. So when he puts these on, he becomes... <laughs> powered by both the the magic and also extreme horniness for Sith, <laughs> Red Red beats the crap out of Thor and takes his hammer. No. Uh, he, he beats him so badly, people have to beg him not to kill Thor. And then he just walks off with his hammer and he's the, he says, I won't kill him, but only if Sif comes with me right now. Over the shoulder, love. We're going. Leave it out. And he, leave it out, Red. He's had enough. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like People, an episode of EastEnders. The Asgardians are watching it sit around like we can't interfere. It's between them. <laughs> They've got to get this out of the system. And he's essentially become Thor. Yeah. And it sounds if it sounds weird and convenient, it is. Like an issue later, the entire thing is discovered to be... Uh, that's right, you guessed it... Another elaborate manipulation by Odin. Um, so because of the prophecy that says Thor will die during Ragnarok, Odin comes up with a way of cheating the prophecy. He goes, ah, you didn't say which Thor. I'm going to create a secondary Thor. Is Odin so, a lawyer in his spare time? Finding loopholes in a prophecy. space lawyer. <laughs> space lawyer. Yeah, so he, yeah. uh, Odin creates these magic items that will basically turn a normal person into Thor. And then he takes advantage of someone being extremely horny for Sif, <laughs> lets it happen, and, and thus, during Ragnarok, Red Norville dies. And uh, Odin's like, hey, prophecy's fulfilled and I've still got a son. Hey, what about <laughs> the dead guy? Not my problem. <laughs> I beat the system, guys. I beat the system. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So that's the first person to, to lift the hammer, and it's not entirely clear if Red was really worthy, mm. or if the fact he had these two magical items that kind of gave him the essence of Thor tricked the enchantment on the hammer. But that's the Red Norvell story. <laughs> there that's, you go. That's that's insane. We'll get back to the fairly Sif, normal. Sif's got to be a Sif's got to be a real a real looker, hasn't she? Oh. This guy was just like, I think I'm going to go on a mystical quest. Oh, the feeling I have for you, love, like a punch of God in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say I'm going to use that one next time, but I can't. I'm getting married soon. I can't. No. Yeah. 
So, back to the story. Thor rocks up to the shield site to get his hammer back, but discovers he can't lift it either. He's just like everyone else. He gets into a bit of a fight with S.H.I.E.L.D. and we meet Hawkeye for the first time. Knowing he is not worthy of Mjolnir, Thor resigns himself to living in exile on Earth and starts up a romance with Jane Foster. Okay, uh, before we get on uh, to talking about Hawkeye, just a couple of things. Like, I think it's, it's, it is a sad moment when he gives up and he can't lift up his hammer. It just feels like E.T. with biceps. As well as the little mermaid <laughs> with biceps. <laughs> it's... it's... We're learning a lot about Thor here, aren't we? We're he is E.T. meets a Little Mermaid. That's not a very good image in my head right now. Also, I am... Um, yeah. But it's... It's indicative of the fact that Thor's uh, a crappy, lazy person. He's, he's actually quite lazy. He's a lazy. crappy, lazy person. So this is my real problem with this movie compared to the comics. In the comics, he lives a life as a mortal and he spends several years... As a mortal slash immortal superhero, yeah, earning, earning his 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 place, right, and then Odin kind of reveals the manipulation, and he's allowed to become Thor properly again, right, mm. um, and he's only worthy of of Mjolnir when he's lived as a disabled mortal for several years, become a doctor, saved lives, walked among humans with humility. That's the only time he's worthy of Mjolnir again. Yeah. In this, it happens in I think less than a day. <laughs> well, this is a. He's film. on Earth for maybe two days, right? He lands in the afternoon on one day, and then he's, and then by he wraps up the story, picks a hammer. I mean, it really, it's, it's just, it. I, I, I don't have to. It's like they forgot movies don't have to be real time. <laughs> they, you can do it in a montage. That's what, That's what they were invented for. Show me a montage of him living with humility. It only has to be a minute long, and I will be convinced he has earned humility. I am a very simple person. Rocky convinces me every time with those montages. That's all you have to do. But no, they just go, well, he can't lift it, and then he really fancies her for a bit. And then I think that's probably he's probably he's probably worthy by now, isn't he? Yeah. Ooh. Also, if there was a montage for Thor, what music would it be? Hmm. Answers on a postcard uh, to Marvel versus Marvel at gmail.com. If we had a, a Thor humility montage, what would the soundtrack be? <laughs> I'm thinking it's got to be, by the rules of the game, it's got to be kind of 70s, 80s based. Yeah, I was about to say 80s, yeah. definitely. Okay, so uh, before we go on to Hawkeye, as well, just about him. In his introduction scene, uh, we cut to him basically choosing a weapon, but he sort of picks up the sniper rifle, puts it down, and goes for his bow. I, I, and that just comes to me, it comes off as, as a bit uh, against the character because he's like, he, his bow and arrow is his thing, right? But he's gone like, maybe I'll take the 50 carat, 50 bar, uh, 50 caliber Barrett rifle or whatever it is. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to go to the thing I always do. That was a bit of an odd, odd, odd clip. Yeah, I I don't really know. Um, I think as as the as the, movie, as the movies go on, we see that that Hawkeye's um, a bit snarky and a bit um, of kind of like an ego dude. He's got like, quite a bit of an ego on him a little bit. Yeah. So I just think, and I think he's just been sat in that crow's nest and he's bored, and he's like, I could shoot the guy, or I could have fun with my bow and arrow. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I, but I don't really know. I've got no answer for you. No, that, that um, makes it's, it's, it's weird that Hawkeye's 
here. For me, it's weird because Hawkeye is an Iron Man character and an Avengers character. So it's kind of weird that he shows up in Thor. It was kind of cool, but it doesn't... Part of my problem is that he never, ever, ever wears a proper costume. What, the purple So it never feels like Hawkeye to me. I've seen pictures um, of it. It's like all purple and has a mask to it, and it's it's odd. Yeah, and people do. This is the most annoying thing. Yeah, but that wouldn't be really realistic. You couldn't have that in a film. Said about a ma- giant god man, you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Let people wear purple masks. <laughs> We're having fun. <laughs> why is it? Why? Oh god, why does it have to be believable? <laughs> um, making making Hawkeye's shield agent is really at odds with what a complete and utter like hothead rule breaker Clint Barton is in the comics um, he's the opposite of a disciplined agent who follows orders but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll cover him properly in, in the Avengers Yeah, because he does nothing time. here so yeah he, ba- he, ba- he barely gets a word in we get to see his square face for a bit played by what's his name he's, Jeremy he, Renner he doesn't even get it into the credits I don't think oh really wow yeah they're wow. really odd with that when it's like a secret cameo they don't put it in the credits and I don't know if that's because the credits have to be done ahead of time uh, and so okay. it leaks out I'm not, I'm not really sure that would actually make a lot of sense okay so we'll, we'll uh, touch Hawkeye in another film so back we'll on what, sorry I pardon you touch, we'll do what to him we'll, we'll touch him up a bit we'll, we'll rough him you up do what, you do what you want sunshine that's alright first I'll, the I'll, NHS and now touching up Hawkeye yeah, man, I'll, I'll put on my purple mask and yell out a safe word. <laughs> God. Anyway, <laughs> back on Asgard, Thor's brother Loki discovers that he is not actually Thor's brother at all. He is the son of King Laufrey of the Frost Giants and was adopted by Odin after the last great war. As this happens, Odin goes into basically a coma to recover his powers. And so Loki is left to take the throne of Asgard. Shock. So, two things. Um... Loki, Loki uses freezing powers in this film. I've never seen him use it in any other film since, which is quite a That's thing a good, to have up your sleeve. That's a good point. If I uh, had freezing powers and none of the other Asgardians did, I would probably start to think I might be a frost giant. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I would have an existential crisis right there. Does he? Does he use the freezing powers as soon as he finds out he's a frost giant? I think it's around the same scene or a few minutes later he does use his he does use it. I saw him use it and I was like, "What? I don't remember this." He I've seen so many films after him with Loki over and over again, but not the original Thor over and over again. I was like, "What? He could he could have done this at any point in any of the films?" Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I guess he's a he's a sorcerer and he can kind of do odd stuff. Who knows? Maybe it was an illusion. Maybe they only thought they were frozen. Ice illusion. Oh, oh my god. I so feel cold. chilly. <laughs> Makes everyone run off to get a cardigan. Yeah. Also, the coma is called an Odin sleep. The Odin sleep? Yeah, what are you laughing at? Can, can anyone do that or just Odin? I mean, I, I don't have a will sleep every night because I'm a grown man. <laughs> I think. Well, it, I think it's a nap. I think you call it. Uh, I'm just going for a will, a, will, a will sleep. Just a little will sleep. That's, um, yeah, that, that's a cute name I, for I, it. Sorry, that's a cute name for it. That is a cute name. No, oh, you go for the loading, loading sleep. You go for the loading sleep. It happens a ton in the comics. Um, yeah. He has to do it once a year or something like that because he has to replenish his energies. Because uh, Odin is essentially the source of all the mystical stuff that keeps Asgard ticking. Ah, um, right, right. 
And so once a year, he has to go into a coma, a little food coma, have a big nap to get his strength back. Um, it happens a lot, and it's always a massive headache. He sounds um, like Razal Ghul with the uh, what's the pit, the Lazarus pit, or wherever he has to put himself. Yeah, in. but the Lazarus pit happens when he's dead. Oh, okay. I thought he had to keep doing it to keep him alive and immortal. He does because he's nearly dead. <laughs> he's constantly nearly dead. La- uh, Raz is really, really old. <laughs> um, imagine if the most powerful leader in the world kept deserting his office to go off on golfing holidays. Imagine it as ridiculous as that. That's what the Odin sleep is. Um, the first time it happens uh, in the comics, Loki uses it just like this to, to seize mm. control of Asgard. And he uses it like... Basically, what happens is, uh, as soon as Odin goes into Odin's sleep, <laughs> Loki yells, I claim the throne of Asgard, just before Thor says it. And thus, <laughs> that's apparently how Asgardian government works. Loki becomes the new king. Well, it works in a system of dibsies. <laughs> Despite the fact that in the comics, everyone knows Loki is adopted right from the get-go. Okay. How does he have any claim to that throne? Yeah, if anything, he's... When there's... Yeah. yeah. If, 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 He's if, a ward. He's a ward of the of the court. It's like um it's like Kate Middleton suddenly claiming the throne. It's exactly like that, only nothing like it. You're right. Wow, I'm so accurate today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's Odin's sleep. So with no one to stop him, Loki conspires with Laufrey to kill Odin and get back the casket of ancient winters. Sif and the Warriors Three decide they need to bring Thor back to Asgard. They convince the powerful Heimdall to open up the Bifrost. Heim- Heim- Heimdall, I'm gonna Heimdall, say. Heimdall. I'm gonna make it more more Germanic. Yeah, Heimdall to open up the Bifrost wormhole and send them to Earth. Bifrost wormhole, great grindcore band. Uh, <laughs> so, Heimdall, should we talk about him for a bit? I mean, there's not much to talk sure. about him. Yeah, I mean, what is there to say? He's basically the gatekeeper. Well, in, in the comics, the Bifrost is literally a rainbow bridge. It, it's the rainbow road level of Mario Kart. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a it, you. You don't. It's not a um, teleportation. You have to travel across it somehow. You have to like walk or fly or have a chariot pulled by goats, which Thor has. Goats um, specifically goats. Yep, yeah, Thor has goats. Deal with it. <laughs> um, and once you get to the gates of Asgard, Heimdall comes out and he beats the crap out of you, unless you've got a good reason for being there. Um, <laughs> And, and many times, so like he'll he beats the crap out of Thor. Sometimes when when Thor's been told you can't ever come back to Asgard, uh, so Heimdall will beat the crap out of him. He's not allowed in. Mm. And then other times, Odin will say you're never allowed to go back to Earth. And Thor will try to leave, and Heimdall will beat the crap out of him again. He's kind. He's a bouncer. He's a cosmic bouncer. That's all he is. <laughs> cosmic bouncer. He's a blind cosmic bouncer. Um, and I always thought Heimdall was. Honestly, he was kind of worthless in the comics. Um, in the 60s, Loki keeps... Because Loki's not allowed to leave, right? Mm. But Loki keeps evading him by, like, turning himself into a snake and slithering between his feet. He's meant to be all-seeing. <laughs> He's meant to be able to see every reach and aspect of the Nine Realms. Um, and even in my modern comics, he never sees 
He never sees any of the big dangers or disasters ever. And every single attack on Asgard starts with a bad guy like blinding Heimdall or killing him or getting rid of him or locking him. Locking him in a bedroom in the most recent one. You think at some point he go, why don't you just replace me with an automated system? <laughs> or just get another, like at least have a shift system. Yep. I mean, get some other people in. <clears throat> yeah, it, it's... I, I, I much prefer the Bifrost being a like an actual rainbow bridge, but you know uh, the movie paying the the, the 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 cinema going public probably would think that was very silly. So yeah, who, who needs bridges when you can have interplanetary portals or whatever? I mean, come on. Yeah, this it's the it's the noughties, it's the twenty tens or whatever. Get with the program. Um. We've all we've all seen sliders. We know how wormholes work. <laughs> okay. So to stop Sif and the gang, Loki sends them an indestructible... Oh, 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 another, that's another great band. What? Sif and the gang. Sif and the gang. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Little funk band from the 70s, beautiful. It, do, it doesn't really sound like a funky name, though, Sif. This is like, hey, we're, we're like somehow uh, some ancient warlock found a backing band and went, you know what, we're going to make some CDs. I think it's a very, I think it's a Norwegian uh, funk band. <laughs> Hello, we are Sif, Sif and the gang. We're here with some very cool tunes, yeah? <laughs> no offence to any Norwegians out there. So, <laughs> Loki sends after them an indestructible Asgardian robot called the Destroyer. Now, is this something big from the comics? Because it looked like something that could have been replaced at any time. You know, like, it's like a placeholder thing. I get that. But no, it's something really big from the comics. It's oh. really, really cool. Um, it's not a robot, it's a suit of armour. Okay. So it's a classic Thor villain, even though it's not really a villain. It's, it's, a, it's a suit of armour with no one inside. So in the, in the original comics, it, it's so powerful it cannot be stopped. And it lies dormant until uh, a living creature with enough life force goes near it. And then that life force kind of gets sucked into the armor, and you're stuck inside, and your life force then powers a destroyer. And then it goes on its like mindless kind of mission, mm. and it just destroys, destroys, destroys. It's wow. really hard. Like when you're inside it, you can't control it unless you are a really, really powerful, like Odin could, but who's Odin? He's, um, he's having a little nap. Little nap. Um, reading those 60s comics as a child, uh, this was. I I was not quite 10 um, and this was a very dark villain it felt like the way they portrayed like because his, his, his face mask his face plate slides down mm. and what's behind it is this disintegrator beam that can kill a god and it just it can't honestly the way Kirby did those panels of you wouldn't think that you could have this kind of racked tension in 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 a in a comic book, but panel by panel, the the visor, the face mask slid down and slid down, and Thor couldn't move, he couldn't go anywhere, and slid down, and, and it was like <laughs> reading it as a kid. I was like, "Oh God, get out of there, Thor!" Um, yeah, it's really it's it's it, it, it really it's it's weird because it doesn't have a personality, so you can't like get into it in the same way you can get into like Loki or whatever. But it's been it's always cool to see it come up over the years. Uh, Sif has weirdly been trapped in it for a while. Doctor Doom built his own version recently, which is pretty cool. 
and once it was given as a present to Galactus. <laughs> Who would give uh, Galactus a present if it's not a planet? You can Thor! Eat? It was Thor! <laughs> it's a, here's it, a little piece of armour that you might be able to use. He did. A destroyer took Silver Surfer's old job, and he went cavorting round the universe, finding planets for Galactus to eat. Wow. There you go. That's, that's that a destroyer. Is, that's depressing. I always found, always found the, the concept of Galactus a bit depressing, but that's me. Yeah. <laughs> so, here we go. So, the destroyer goes on a rampage in New Mexico. Sif and the Warriors 3 can't stop it. So, he chooses to sacrifice himself so the destroyer will stop attacking everybody. Uh, at Death's Door, Thor's sacrifice proves him to be worthy once more of Molnir. And he basically comes back as Thor, doesn't he? He, he gets all his... Yeah, he's... St- he, he sticks cake. his hand out and the, 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 the hammer flies to him. He has the makeover. He, he comes back again. He looks awesome. Uh, and Jane is even more attracted to him. Uh, so wet, wet floor signs all round, I reckon. Right Woof! <laughs> Thor smashes the destroyer, kissing Jane Foster goodbye, and returns to his friend with, uh, with his friends to Asgard. Now, what about yeah? Did- they're going to get back to the real story. The real. This story. is very much to me like, like what we talked about. How <laughs> they had these in the in the early comics. I had these two stories going on. They had all the stuff on on Earth, hmm. which no one cared about, <laughs> <laughs> and we spend the whole movie just going get back to Asgard with the fun <laughs> stuff. Stop <laughs> with the boring thing where you like coffee and you want to kiss a girl. When is Go we going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so one thing I did like with the destroyer scene was when the destroyer arrives uh, and the members of Shield are there, and and uh, <laughs> someone someone just goes to Coulson, "Is that one of Stark's?" And he's like, ah, "He tells me nothing." <laughs> like, <laughs> that was just such a typical thing to say. Oh, that but- is cool. That there, there's a um, a big. Asgardian massive crossover storyline called Fear Itself, uh, where all the Marvel Universe has to kind of like fight this big Asgardian threat. And uh, Stark gets to play with the uh, Svartalheim dwarfs and their uh, armory, which is where the Mjolnir was built. Yeah. And so he gets, and where the the destroyer was built. And so Stark. Builds himself destroyer armor, um, <laughs> and he builds he builds like armor for Odin, and yeah, Stark gets to play with lots of fun toys. He also it. gets rip roaring drunk as well. Well, you got to do when you're hanging around with Vikings. We're not Vikings. Well, he, he thinks Vikings the world's going to end, so he just he goes sobriety be damned. I'm going to get drunk. So hey, time to bring up an old habit. He thinks. So back to story uh, I think we're on the last lap for the story so Loki betrays Laufrey and kills him revealing that his true plan all along was to goad the Frost Giants into attacking Odin so he could use that as an excuse to destroy Jotunheim completely Loki can, can we what do we do we think like do we think we, so so far we've been really on the on the foot of thinking uh, Odin uh, Loki's been super super evil but th- at this point it can does it feel like he's doing it for his twisted his twisted kind of idea of of what Asgard how Asgard should be run and is he doing it for his dad or is he doing it for himself? I, I always thought he's doing everything for himself. He always struck me as that kind of character. Well well then why why not let Laufrey kill Odin 
and then kill Lau. Like, why is he? You know, why is he protect Odin in that moment? And that's a good point. I think he has like that little sliver of humanity or whatever that yeah, Asgard. Why, why? Why does he care? And why does he? If he's, you know, why does he care about Asgard needing a reason to invade the Frost Giants and, and destroy them? Like. It, it it does feel to me like he is he is trying to show his dad there's another way and my way's better rather than I'm evil and I want to take over. Okay, so he's just basically trying to what influence Odin? Would you say? No, he he he's because Odin he, he's trying to get it done while Odin's not there. Oh right, so he's basically trying to repair. Bridges. When you wake up, yeah. When you wake up, Dad, will they'll have attacked? We'll have to go to war. We'll wipe them out. That'll be the the best thing for it. I think. I think. Okay, that kind of makes sense. I, I was I was a bit unclear with what he was trying to do. So he, yeah, yeah, it, it isn't it isn't the best it isn't the best laid out, is it of of, of plans? And it seems very haphazard, slapdash, and all that. Yeah, yeah. So the plan was to use the Bifrost Bridge as some sort of weapon that can destroy an entire realm, which is a bit yeah, Death Star. <laughs> Yeah, it's Death bit, Star. That's all bit, it is. A bit Death Star. He goes. We changed the bridge to a portal and now to an intergalactic weapon. Yeah. <laughs> People are just running wild in the writing room. So Thor arrives in time to stop Loki, but to do so, he has to destroy the Bifrost Bridge completely, cutting Asgard off from the rest of the nine realms. The Bifrost destruction is about to kill Thor and Loki when Odin wakes up from his power nap and saves them. Loki begs Odin for approval of his schemes to destroy the Frost Giants, and when he doesn't get his dad's approval, Loki throws himself into the abyss to seemingly die. Emo! (laughs) Well, he's got black hair, hasn't he? He's very... Little emo wuss. Dad! No one likes my magic tricks! (laughs) (laughs) With the Nine Realms saved, Thor makes amends with Odin and admits he is not ready to be king, whilst on Earth, Jane and her team are searching for a way to recreate the Bifrost wormhole and connect to Asgard. And which brings us to the end of the film. But in a post-credit scene, Selvig is taken to a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility where Nick Fury opens a briefcase and asks him to study a mysterious cube-shaped object which Fury says may have may hold untold power. Somehow, an alive and invisible Loki whispers in Selvig's ear and convinces him to agree. Ooh, so that's quite a good setup for the next for the next outing. It is, but I just thought the rushed reappearance of Loki was weird. What you mean the post credits? Yeah, I. It's the thing is, it's like if you're going to have a character who's known for manipulation and deceit to fake, you, you, when you see someone like that die, but not really see them die, you know that they're going to turn up later. I, I think that's fine. I think that's fine to have him turn up in a position of uh, where he can where he can do even more deceit in a different place. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. That, yeah. That's 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 my take on it anyway. But I, uh... I, so I, it was super. So that I really hate that they have a different name for it. But the Tesseract in uh, <laughs> in in Marvel Comics is the Cosmic Cube, um, and it's a really. It's got nothing to do with the Infinity Stones, the Infinity Gems, really at all. Yeah, nothing. Um, it's a it's a other. It is another reality altering superpower weapon. Um, yeah. 
that was really 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 cool it was it was very because it's such a it's an awesome 70s nod and it comes up numerous times throughout the years the cosmic cube and thanos has used it and red skulls used it and captain america's tried to use it and it's it's cool man so yeah i i was very very excited to see the, to see that oh i can imagine man so that brings us up to uh to the end point so my final verdict of the film that's what i'm interested in yeah what 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 did you having never encountered this thor character before what what did you think at the time after seeing it and and what do you think kind of looking back now after going on the whole journey through to endgame i I have to admit, when I first saw it, I, it was all right. I didn't enjoy it as much as Iron Man uh, and and the rest. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just felt like this feels like a bunch of other films in a bag. It felt like there were there were there were touches there were touches of uh, like alien invasion sci fi. There were touches of Tolkien Dungeons and Dragons and whatnot. There was touches of this, touches of that. Nothing felt really like it was its own film. That was my own criticism. But for what it was, it was quite fun in places. It just didn't feel like a whole film. This felt like a, a very long prologue. I know it's an I, origin film, but that's how it felt. That's how it feels. And it still feels that way to me. Yeah, I, I, it's, it, I was really thoroughly let down by the movie, mm. especially at the, the high of the other three. Oh, totally, totally. Um, I mean, even, this is not as this. It's the worst one they'd knocked out up until this point. Yeah, I, I would say even when you go back uh, to, I mean, when you go to see like uh, Black Panther, which hits similar beats uh, to this, very very similar film in terms of narrative structure. Black Panther is, is an incredible film and definitely feels like a complete film. This doesn't feel like a complete film. This feels uh, they they didn't have enough money to do what they wanted, so they had to do something. I don't know how you would do a perfect Thor origin story, but this didn't feel like a perfect origin story to me, sadly. The whole movie... Th- think about what we get in the next episode that we'll mm. do with Captain America. The correct... It's a brave decision, but the correct decision is to do a film entirely set in the 1940s, 30s and 40s. That is yeah. the correct move to make with Captain America. The correct move to make with, with Thor is to do a movie entirely in Asgard and the yeah. Nine Realms. And all of the grandeur and wonder of, of that is how it should be done. Um, I don't exactly know how you tie in the humility, which is an important thing. Maybe at the end of it he gets cast down to Earth or something, but I, I, I'm not entirely sure that's as important as kind of... It would... It would uh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, it would have been like if Black Panther, if like 70, 60% of the film was based in the past in LA it would have been like yeah. that they would have stretched it yeah. out and it would have wouldn't have been as good it would have really really just filler absolute filler and the other question that we always like to uh, ask Mr Will Preston who has never read a Marvel comic in his life uh, is thinking back over uh, over this episode and what we've learned what was your favorite slice of Marvel trivia that we have uncovered in our journey through the uh, the life of the mighty Thor and Asgard, it would have to be the original origin story of Thor, Doctor Donald, whatnot. <laughs> I can't Donald Blake, Donald Blake, Donny B. Sorry, but there was too much going on in that origin story. Oh my God, there's aliens made of stone. Better hide in a cave. Lost my stick. Accidentally picked up an ancient hammer. 
<laughs> no, he picks up another stick. He picks up another stick. That, you another know. stick. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it is. It's utterly... It's, it's, it's bonkers. It's bizarre. And like we said, it, it, he started off so far from what the Marvel comics uh, were doing at the time. Yeah. And he still ends up so far, but it feels like it, um, original. Yeah. Like, to begin with, it's not an original kind of idea. It doesn't feel like it. And then when they go, no, let's let's run with just the Asgard stuff, then you get the idea of, oh, this is nothing to do with science, but wow. And I think that really is one of the other great parts of opening the Marvel Universe up big time. Suddenly, we have mythology. Suddenly, we have cosmic... Uh, cosmic excitement going on. We have oh, yeah. a, a rich a tapestry of, of of characters and different realms and levels, and a lot like we'll get when when Doctor Strange kind of comes around and when the Fantastic Four start to explore uh, other dimensions and things. Mythology is bit by bit creeping into the Marvel universe, um, and it's 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 really rich, Daddyo. <laughs> It's it, it adds an extra dimension to the whole thing, no pun intended, and really opens things up. Totally agree with that. I just think uh, it felt like a very small door was open to something to a very large room, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, what a fun and exciting journey we had through the mighty Thor's uh, first outing in cinema, um, and we've got, as we said, we've got a lot more to cover with 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 Loki and with Thor, with Jane Foster as well and Odin. Uh, and we've got two other movies uh, plus the Avengers to to do that in, so we are not done with that just just yet. And we've got a lot more to come as we journey through the MCU in Marvel versus Marvel. Thanks for listening to Marvel versus Marvel. Please make sure you like, subscribe, and why not share us with some of your Marvel friends and get lots more people listening to the journey. You can send us your comments and reviews to marvelversusmarvel at gmail.com. And hey, why not watch along with the next episode, which will be Captain America, the First Avenger. (laughs) 